0: the War Nomads podcast bonus episode. Hear amazing nomads sharing their knowledge, stories and experience of world travel.
1: Hi, and in this Amazing Nomads episode we are featuring Australian Lucy Barnard. She is on a mission to walk the entire length of the world, exhausted just saying that, from Ushuaia, Argentina to Barrow in Alaska. If she completes it, Phil, she'll become the first woman to have done it.
2: That's easy for you to say, by the way, Ushuaia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, it's a tough effort. It's 30000 kilometres, it's the equivalent of about the sixth of the average distance a person walks in their lifetime. And it could take Lizzie as long as five years. The number of steps she's going to be taking is a staggering... 40 million
1: get your head around that all this without any on-road support team other than her blue healer wombat but what makes this attempt even more amazing is lucy's story and a year into the planning this is not the reason she did this walk she Mm -hmm. was planning it Mm -hmm. um but it may never have happened because she was taking part in an endurance cycling fundraiser and the aim is to ride as far as you can over a month i think we'll let lucy pick up the story
0: i was going really well um the fundraiser is um, raising money for children's cancer uh, through an organisation called the Great Cycle Challenge, and there are two ways that you can get onto a leaderboard in that challenge. One is to raise lots of money, which I had done, but not nearly as much as the person that was leading. Um, or you could get on the leaderboard for having done the most kilometres, and there were three of us who were competing to get on the top of that leaderboard and it was between me and two other gentlemen, one who's a good friend of mine, well, both of them are friends now, actually. Um, but ultimately, it's really unusual in these cycling events for women to be at the top of the leaderboard. So a group of my friends and I were just really committed to trying to get me to be number one. And then what happened? What happened? Um, so we found a loophole in the rules where you didn't have to record all of your kilometres, um, until the end of the race, if you didn't want to. So we were doing that and I was ahead. And then three days before, uh, the end of the race, I was trying to maintain those kilometres and keep my lead. When a ute pulled up to a T intersection and I'd seen this car before and they had actually cut me off previously, Um, so I began to slow down, which is, you know, what you do, um, but they stopped. So I sped up and thought, great, I can pass them. But as they waited for me, they, um, just made a really bad judgment decision and pulled out at the last minute and then panicked and stopped. And at that moment, there was just no possibility for me to go one way or the other. And so I ended up slamming on the brakes and flying right across the top of their, Uh, ute and landing on my head on the other side. And it's just really lucky I was wearing a helmet because there is no doubt that I'd be dead if I wasn't wearing that helmet. Yeah, you weren't dead, but gee, did some damage. Take us through that. Yeah, well, you know, at first I just thought I was fine and I was going to get back on my bike and go home and get back on the wind trainer. (laughs) Um, But then I kind of noticed as I lowered myself back onto the road that I couldn't really move my legs at all. And I got into the ambulance and the ambulance driver offered me some morphine, but I was kind of like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And within 10 minutes, I just became overwhelmed with this incredible, incredible pain. So I had two days of really intense pain. And that was only because it turns out I'm resistant to morphine. In that time, I also wasn't able to move my legs. So what had happened is I could still I could feel when people touched my toes, but it turns out that isn't necessarily a sign that you're going to be able to um, walk again. So there was a real worry that I'd been partially paralysed. Um, and as I was waiting for my legs to come back online, some of my words began to leave me as well and I became partially aphasic. So not only did I have to learn how to walk and deal with all of the, the muscle tone loss, Um, I also had to uh, practice speaking again and get past a stutter.
2: Can I say I'm just having a bit of a moment here, a bit of a hard time because uh, coming up three years ago, I commute to work by bicycle. I got cleaned up at a roundabout three years ago. Um, I was a lot luckier than you. I broke a couple of ribs and bones in my foot and my scapula, the scapula, you know, the shoulder uh, blade.
0: Yeah.
2: Fortunately, I'm not resistant to morphine.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's just such a hair's breadth away from it being totally catastrophic. I mean, I got off lighter it- than you and you've got off lighter than other people. But
1: absolutely, crikey,
2: it's like it's just paper thin, isn't it?
1: It is, it is. Well, at the moment you are attempting to be the first woman to walk from the southernmost point of South America to the northernmost point of Alaska. You were planning this before the accident though, weren't you?
0: Yeah, I was. So um, about one year before the accident I went on a holiday to Patagonia and I just really wanted to spend the time hiking and taking some time out because I really hadn't had a break in between high school and university so off I trotted. Um, and around that time, I was reading a book about George Megan, who was the first man to walk the length of the earth from Ushuaia to Alaska, where I'm heading. Um, and he originally completed that walk in a little town called Prudhoe Bay, which is right at the top. And then, and he finished that in 1982, which just happens to be the year that I was born. And so I guess for me, it kind of, that time alignment helped for me to really appreciate the story. Um, And then I just wondered, you know, that's a really long time ago. I wonder who else in my lifetime has then gone on to complete this walk. And so I learned about quite a few men who have gone on to do the walk and why most people quit um, within the first year. Um, But then I really quickly began to realise that no woman had done it. And I was like, what is with that? Like, Come on, someone's got to try this, and so I started planning just just like that.
2: Why did they quit within the first year, and why have you not?
0: <laughs> love, so boring. <laughs> Most <laughs> people fall in love, really, and then they yeah. And you know, I'm a little bit uh, of a um, a little bit skeptic of that because it's sometimes it's so hard that I could just fall in love with the closest person <laughs> just so that I have a reason to stop. Um, but, yeah, about 10 people start this journey every year, something like that, somewhere between five and 10 people attempt it and the majority of them will quit within the first year.
2: Yeah, you can either get up and walk on top of those blisters or stay snuggled under the duvet where you are right
0: now. So Which one would you
1: choose? I, I haven't seen a bloke in any of your in any of your videos, Lucy. <laughs> Exactly, because I'm like, stay away, you're a liability. (laughs) (laughs) I have seen a dog though. Tell us
0: about Wombat. (laughs) Wombat is a total dream. You know, I originally was going to try and find just a street dog that I could rescue and have come and join me for my walk. Um, But the primary motive of getting a dog is to help improve my security and safety. Um, but I also need to find a dog that is capable of walking the distances. It's pretty tough, you know, all of that sort of thing. And I was really struggling to find that in street dogs, not because then they don't have the capability, but more so they have injuries or little personality quirks that kind of didn't wouldn't be helpful in high stress situations. So in the end, I did a re- lot of research into breeds and decided that it just happens that it's an Australian breed, but that an Australian cattle dog would be the most suitable breed to join me. And, you know, sometimes you just put it out to the world that that's what you're looking for. And then all of a sudden you have a choice of 12 in a litter. (laughs) And so um, I got to choose him and I did some little um, tests on each of the puppies to make sure that I got the one that was most resilient to change. And he's fabulous. You know, cattle dogs are really great for picking you up when you're feeling a bit miserable. They've got a great sense of humour. They are really really tough I mean he's six months old and can walk 30 kilometers in a day which is crazy yeah but I've also seen Um, him sitting in the cart that you pull as well (laughs) (laughs) well that's the interesting part of his personality you know cattle dogs are meant to be fine in the heat but he hates direct sunlight so come middle of the day in the middle of the desert and he was just like total meltdown tantrums and, yep, sleeping in the back of the cart.
1: Going through the desert, the At- Atacama Desert, has that been one of the biggest challenges so far in the two years that you've been walking?
0: Man, every section has its different challenges for sure and I had a real romance about going through the desert and how wonderful it would be but certainly the last two weeks when it got really, really hot, I got really, really miserable and, um, But not for long because I just realized that I had to start sleeping during the day and walking through the night. And by sheer luck, I started following a road and every day that I wanted to stop walking, there just happened to be a random bus stop that no one ever uses. And so I spent the last week sleeping from bus stop to bus stop.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit worried about you because you're doing this on your own. I mean, now you've got Wombat, but all these truckies are stopping to see if you want to lift. You're sleeping in abandoned huts with dead lambs outside
0: the doorway. (laughs) Like, You're taking some risks, girl. Yeah, it's really glamorous. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of friends who just think that I'm going from one view to the next with my hair waving in the wind and how delightful and recently I had a girlfriend come over who walked a stretch in the desert with me and she really now has a completely different view of what it, what it is that I do. Um, but I will say in the, where I was walking in the desert, I didn't see many people at all. So sleeping by the road wasn't really an issue. But anywhere else where there are lots of people, I really spend a lot of time and I'm very careful about where I set my tent so that people can't see me. Um, and I take a lot of measures to make sure that my security is the first thing that I take care of.
2: Look, I'm, I'm just looking through your uh, website at the moment. I really love the section here of the people who've walked with you, or these fantastic smiling faces in these pictures here. You've met some amazing people.
0: I was just thinking today about how this walk is more like a relay where I get to one town and I'm looked after by a bunch of you know, life-loving people and then I'm handed to the next community, it's just I didn't, I never thought that that would be my, the most important part of this walk. I thought that the thing I would love the most are the views, just like some of my friends do who think my, you know, hair is sailing in the winds. <laughs> um, but in actual fact, and don't get me wrong, the views and the animals I have seen have been remarkable but the people that I have met are really what's made this journey what it is today.
2: Well tell us about some of them and right? some of the surprising ones. I mean I can imagine somebody would stop and approach you and you're obviously very conscious of your safety and your guard must be mm-hmm. up at first but then that, mm-hmm, yeah. that must melt away when they start talking.
0: Yeah, it really does. Or I'll meet other travellers who will then um, give me a reference to somebody that I should stay with in an upcoming town. And certainly that's what happened when I reached El Shao And I have to say, reaching that town, I was at an absolute low. I had been water poisoned. I had been sick for uh, several days, run out of water, run out of food. Um, I'd had boils on the back of my feet because I ruined my socks and just made a bunch of errors that just had my whole life in a state of misery. Um, And I hobbled in to this lady um, at the recommendation of a friend who then just took me in for an entire month, got me seeing the doctors, got my body fixed. I told her I'd quit. She just did that whole annoying, knowing motherly nod that mothers give you. (laughs) And then within a month, sent me off again, you know, off you go, keep going, you can do it. And leaving the last night, staying with her, we had this beautiful dinner and, you know, did all the appropriate farewells. And then I got an email from my mother to read to Floor and it went something along the lines of from one mother to another, I want to thank you for taking in my daughter and knowing how to look after her as any mother would want to. And just the two of us, I couldn't get through the whole letter because the two of us were just in tears, unable to take a full breath because this letter was so touching from my mother. And essentially, that's the treatment that I've had from so many mothers along this walk who have just really taken me in and nurtured me and Tried to give me all the love that they can to get me to the next town.
1: Beautiful. I've, 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 te- got, I've got something in my eye. Te- can, can I, you know, help? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: know. No, I really do. That's so touching. Beautiful. That's and beautiful. as a mother who
1: has a child overseas at the moment, your mother must be absolutely crapping oh, herself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, given, yeah, what you what you what you doing?
2: Has she then, got used
1: to it yet Yeah. Or? On top of your injuries, she come that to you to
0: She had and. Actually, I just put mum on a plane two days ago to go back home to Australia. So we decided to meet for Christmas and New Year and my sister joined us, who lives in New York. And um, I had one very, very simple goal for this trip, apart from having a good time and family and blah, blah, blah. But underneath it all, I wanted to make her a lot more confident about what I'm doing and see how safe it is and... um, give her that confidence to get through another year so that she could be worry-free. And then my sister got mugged twice and then my sister's phone got stolen and then my mum got mugged and then I got mugged and mum's passport got stolen and basically I failed spectacularly. (laughs) It couldn't have been a less safe, horrible trip (laughs) than it was. It was great seeing each other and mum and I had some wonderful highlights in the last week. But she was here for five weeks and the first couple were a complete dropout. It's really hard on all of family and all I can do is just check in with them and take the precautions that I need to and the advice from um, a security company that I work with back in Australia who are um, experts in high stress, high risk environments. Well, you said
1: you were sending your mum off so that she would be calm for another year, but I listened to you in a recent interview and you're thinking that this walk may take you five
0: years. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, and that's a good thing, I think, because at first I wanted to be done in three um, and walk 30 kilometres minimum every day for five days out of a seven-day week um, and just like a checklist, get it done. And to do that, it's just absolutely miserable um, because you're just putting your body under a lot of stress. And one man recently did walk the entire stretch in two years, but he didn't stop. He just went. And for him, that's great. But for me, I think the worst outcome would be that I finish and have no enjoyment or fond memories for myself, I think I would rather quit and have a collection of, and you know, if I run out of money or something like that and I had to stop, having the collection of experiences that I have and meeting all the people that I've met and being able to spend time with them and get to know them and have this growing family following me um, means more to me than um, finishing it as quickly as I can just to have my name put into a record book.
2: I've got a couple of questions you must be a bit of an expert now on shoes and socks
0: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean any,
2: i mean not, not that many people are well, going to attempt to, to walk the length of the earth, but people I mean like trekking and hiking <laughs> step pop-
0: one <laughs> yes well,
2: well, well, well trekking and hiking is very popular and I've you know people break in new boots and all that sort of stuff but what's your advice on,
0: <laughs> on walking
2: shoes and, and, and socks? <laughs> what should we do
0: I think the absolute Most important thing to do is get a shoe, if you have problems with toe blisters, get a shoe that has a really big toe box where you can really move your toes around. None of that snug business. I fell for that and it took a long time for me to learn that what I do now is I buy a shoe that's really broad at the toe and I buy one size up.
1: Oh, okay. Do you wear thicker socks to compensate or...?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, typically you can. There's like thousands of ways to tie up your shoelace as well. So I tie my shoelaces differently to keep my heel down. There's a little trick that you can do to get your foot more secure in the shoe, and I leave the front bit loose. If I'm in a boot, I like to get a boot that has um, like a snap lock at the at the um, ankle so that you can have the front part loose and the top and then it, part tight
2: and it grips around your ankle right okay
0: yeah and then um ian who's a guy who makes socks they're like a neoprene sock um they're called armor skins if you want to look them up uh he sent me a bunch of these socks which when i first saw them i'm like what is this weird thing that i meant to wear underneath and essentially you have to roll them on and they're quite sticky um and they act as like a second skin and then you put your other sock on top And that prevents any surface blisters not necessarily blisters between your toes but it certainly does help with all of the others
2: all right my other question i reckon you're probably an expert and you probably love them do you like shortcuts
0: oh man i don't think i've ever taken a shortcut that's turned shorter (laughs) but i do love them i don't know what is with my psychology i know that i'm always going to get stuck in a tree or end up having to walk through miles and miles of river crossings, blah, blah, blah. But I always take the shortcut, and always at about halfway, I think to myself, yeah, no, yeah. if you'd gone the other way, you'd be there by now. Lucy's been awesome talking Can to I you. Can I
2: ask one more question before we do? Sorry.
0: What is it not underpants? Okay. Um, no, no, well,
2: well, speaking <laughs> no. Of, no. Well, speaking of underpants, <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a fellow I know. He's worked with us at World Nomads. Greg Blakeneve. Um He's a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He's and still works with World Nomads. He was doing. He was. He's American, and he was cycling. He was doing the basically from America all the way around South America. Got to Colombia and loved it so much that he still lives there. But he was. Wow. Yeah, but he was doing it. Um, He got given. He did it with two pairs of underpants. He only had two sets of underpants, and he was. And I forget the name of the brand, and I'll put it in the show notes because it's kind of what made him famous. um, Because he did it for this company where he only had these two. That's awesome. And they sound a lot like your neoprene socks, and they were very special undies that he did. Captain
1: Underpants. So, what was your question? Well,
2: my question is. When you get to the end, fight! Yeah, yeah. What covers your undies? No. Uh, when you get to the end, <laughs> creepy feel. <film. laughs> Neoprene undies. I'm sorry, I'm running off now. When you get to the end, after five years, you've completed this. I'm. We're totally confident you're going to complete it. So I'm saying when would you do it again, or would you do bits of it again, or are you done with?
1: Why would it? you do it again? Five <laughs> years. <laughs> well, why no, well. how if we start with undies? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, would you do it again, um, or would you do parts of it again, or have you thought about you know being an, an expedition leader and taking other uh, people cool. on bits of it? You know, would yeah, you go I back?
0: What I'd really like to do is get a camera, like a video camera, and go back to the beginning in a car and visit all the people who've helped me and meet them again and say thank you to them and have proper conversations because I still am struggling with Spanish. And I know that there are some people down south who really have just no idea about what this girl was doing walking through their property. Um, And I would love to just do the whole thing but in a year in a car.
1: I reckon that's a great idea, actually. It's a yep. good, good question, Phil.
2: There you go. All right.
0: That <laughs> and know be what, awesome. Talking about undies, I've got one little random okay. thing.
2: That <laughs> We're back happened. at undies. All right,
0: go. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about the film. This is great. <laughs> in winter, I really struggled and I wrote a fairly compelling story about how difficult it had been. And a f- friend of mine, Who is now a friend started writing to me, so I have this pen friend, and we have our own battles. So we started writing to each other almost as like a support team situation, and as part of being my pen friend. She has pretty much sent me all of my undies since I've been walking. So I haven't bought a set of undies since I got here because she posted them to me. Hang on, random gift. Uh, If I was going to send you uh,
1: things, it would be, you know, maybe a packet of Tim Tams from Australia or a pair of undies.
0: Let me tell you, you cannot buy underwear that stay together here. If you send me just a bikini set of Bond undies, I know that they're going to last me, whereas if I walk for a month in a set that I've bought here, they just end up, well, I basically end up not wearing any at all. It's a disaster. We
1: we should get some branded World Nomads ones. (laughs) 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 I'd be one happy lady.
2: (laughs) The great big Sanchez logo on your ass. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And we did hear Wombat in the background there. Give him a pat from us and Lucy. Thank you. Best of luck. I will. She is such a fun person and to get an idea of that you can follow her blog Tangles and Tail to see what really is a serious effort. Now next week, I know we promised it after the episode on the Baltics but we're going to deliver on that promise to explore Malaysia.
2: Absolutely, a bit of a change around just to match up with everything here but there you go. Uh, Also the 2019 Travel Writing Scholarship which goes to Portugal or Portugal as I've heard in some of the promos Mm -hmm. is now, uh, well, should be open very shortly. If it's not already open, applications close on March the 13th. For all the details and uh, and to enter into it, go to worldnomads.com forward slash writing.
1: Good one. Now, please drop us a line if you know an amazing nomad that we should be speaking to. Podcast at worldnomads.com. A lot of info, but it's all in show notes. You can download the episodes from iTunes or the Google Podcast app or ask Alexa in Google Home to play the World Nomads
2: podcast. Bye. See you
0: later. Amazing Nomads inspired.